Hello, everyone. We are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast, where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Today, we're going to talk about not the Styrian Grand Prix, the Austrian Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen made it two in a row in Austria with Valtteri Bottas finishing in second and Lando Norris finishing in third. So, Jordan, once again, I feel like we got kind of an equivalent race to last week. Um, we had penalties galore. Um, how, how do you feel about this race? Yeah, well, overall, like you said, penalties galore. I think in total, 11 of the drivers were called to the stewards after the race, which was crazy. <laughs> and I disagreed with a lot of the penalties. Like, I, I, I really didn't think that uh, Norris deserved the five-second penalty there. I don't think he forced Sergio off the track, nor do I think Sergio forced Charles Leclerc off the track. But again, that's to be discussed later on. Overall, we had a pretty similar race. A couple of different things. You know, the weather before the race was anticipated to be more variable. The tire compounds were, were softer for the race. So it's supposed to be a more fast-paced race. Um, and changing the tire compounds also made the strategy choices very interesting throughout the race. We're which talk I will, about strategy. <laughs> which I am very excited to talk about. But let's address what we normally do. For those who are JJF1 podcast fans, the way that this podcast normally works, the way we do our race reviews is Jordan and I both say our favorite overtake of the race, the moment that surprised us the most, the moment that entertained us the most, and the most dramatic moment of the race or the weekend. Um, So with that being said, let's talk about our favorite overtake. And Jonah, we'll start with you. Well, we're going to talk about penalties and I'm going to go through it immediately because Charles Leclerc had a, clearly a difficult time getting past Perez um, throughout the uh, a big portion of the race. And Helmut Marco, who is, I don't even know what his official role is at Red Bull Racing. He's like senior like advisor. Senior advisor or something like that. Anyways, big boy at Red Bull said Perez got more penalty seconds than points this weekend. And that is true, but there was some pretty controversial, controversial penalties that ended up happening. But when Sean Leclerc finally got through Sergio Perez, that was my most impressive overtake um, because it was really well done and he had to fight very, very hard to get it. Yeah. And, uh, the Ferraris did not have the best weekend, not only at the Austrian Grand Prix, but at the Styrian Grand Prix too. Carlos were... Sainz did well though. P5? From, yeah, he, from where he, he started did very from. well. But overall, over the past two weekends, they have not been showing pace like they showed in Baku or like they showed in Monaco. Mm. Um, P5 is not so good when you come off of a P2 and then you follow that up with back-to-back polls for your team. Um P4, Charles Leclerc, you know, they had really good weekends and they seem to have slowed down. And last weekend, they were nowhere to be found. This weekend, there were some sites of them, P5, Charles, fine. But they are, they're, they're, they're slacking the Ferraris, I, I would say. I think it's been a, down, a down, downhill uh, since Baku. I can't um, believe, I can't believe this. I actually forgot that in this season, this season, Ferrari had back-to-back poles. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's true. Where? Did, yeah. Uh, 
What a season. And in this season, too, we were talking in Portugal about how Alpine had true pace. <laughs> wow. But times are different. And this race was very interesting because, and, and deservedly so, Charles Leclerc um, with that overtake. So, yes, that was a great overtake. I'm going to go for an overtake that I appreciated more for symbolic reasons. It was not a good overtake itself. But it symbolically was a great overtake. And that is when the Finnish man, Valtteri Bottas himself, went past Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's what cemented him into the P2 spot. Um, I was very happy to see Mercedes actually consider Bottas in their decision making. Um, it was a nice change, very refreshing to see. And that's the only reason why I'm, I'm putting it as my best overtake. Not There were plenty of great overtakes. We'll talk about Russell. We'll talk about, like, Stroll actually had some decent overtakes yeah. in the beginning. Um, but for symbolic reasons, I'd say that was my best and favorite overtake because it, it, it kind of shows that Mercedes, with the contract given to Lewis Hamilton, they're still trying to give Valtteri a chance to prove himself in the coming races. Because, yeah, I'm sure George Russell also wants his contract or deal to be sorted out before the uh, summer break, which is coming up very soon. Um, but they're showing that they will be giving equal and fair chances to everyone. And I actually really, really enjoyed that. And, uh, and yeah, it was also much better for their overall race strategy because Lewis had his, his damage. So kudos to them they did very well i was really shocked when mercedes told lewis to let valtteri buy because i mean i'm sure you as a as a bottas fanboy or at least the most bottas fanboy out of the both of us was extremely happy when he ended up going by and talk about damage all you want valtteri deserved that p2 um yes and it showed that it was it was very very well orchestrated. I mean, for if when Hamilton said a win was out of the question was completely out of the question, which is something that I never thought Lewis Hamilton would say in a race. Um, having that come through and having Valtteri finish in P two because of it was really 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 well done and. Um, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, you know, we said a lot of things a few weeks ago. Alpine had true pace. Shout out to Esteban Ocon's uh, race last thing, like three turns or four turns or whatever it was. Um, and that was then, not his fault, though. In, in, in his defense, it was not his fault. He was clipped yeah. by an Alfa Romeo. Yeah. It was not his fault. Um, and we thought, okay, Bottas is done. But... Wow. He's showing some signs of He's life. He's showing, yeah, exactly. He's showing very much some signs of life. Valtteri 4.0. I mean, he's not going to win the championship, but at least he'll get back to that kind of level that he had last year or even the year before that. Um, yeah. And uh, at least he has a chance to prove himself that he is deserving of that Mercedes seat, which I think he is. And I think that the fact that Red Bull is so ahead of Mercedes gives him an advantage. And that's why I'm even more confident that he will retain that seat. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very happy that you that you talk about that scenario. The Red Bull is so far ahead of Mercedes right now that uh, you you have the opportunity for like in Bottas's eyes, Bottas has the opportunity to show that he's not competing for the world championship, but he's he's fighting against his teammate more than anything. And this race really showed that he could he could actually deal with Lewis Hamilton and he could deal with Mercedes and he could deal with apparently everyone against him. So uh, like let's not forget whenever he wins a race, he says, I just like to say to all of my critics to whom it may concern f you so um yeah that is uh we can't go through a podcast without talking about not at all not at all not at all um we also cannot go through a podcast without talking about aston martin yeah (laughs) they're my most surprising moment because i was surprised last week or two weeks ago i said that if there was a uh, a team principal of the year, Otmar Zafnar would be voted team principal. He did not show it this weekend. I was very surprised when they pitted early, both of them, not just Lance, not just Seb. When they pitted early, it looks like they were doing some strategic move, but they just stayed in the bottom 10 the entire race and didn't move. And then they two stopped. <laughs> yeah, right? I, it was it was a complete mix-up. I really don't know what happened exactly. Um that was my most surprising moment as well. And I threw Alpha Tauri in there too. Because <laughs> yeah. both of them, both of them two stopped on cars that really had pace. And like poor Yuki Tsunoda, man, he deserved some good points this week, but he didn't. And neither did Stroll or Seb because uh you know, even last year, well, no, not last year, last week when I said if you put the Aston Martins on a hard tire, they're gonna like zoom at three gazillion miles an hour. Yeah. Uh you gave Aston Martin two hard tire sets and it didn't work. So I don't know. I I, I agree with you. I like for for a team that had a strategy masterclass over the last few races, having this kind of thing happen was really, really surprising. Yeah, I completely agree. Do you, do you, uh, do you have anything uh, else to I, add? No, I just, it's just, it was just so shell shocking that I was, as Stroll fans and by default as Aston Martin fans, I was watching the, the, I was watching the, the, the standings of the race very closely because I saw him pit early. I was like, okay, he's going to move out because they don't show the drivers in the bottom 10 that often. No, they don't. And so I was just, I was watching very closely and he just didn't move. And I was so confused. And I'm, I'm just speechless afterwards because just nothing came of it. Mm. Well, you know, you, you got to win some, you got to lose some. I feel yeah. Like- I feel like this is payback for the podium that definitely shouldn't have been in Baku. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we can move we can move straight forward into the most dramatic moment. So, Jordan, for you, um, my what was what was really dramatic for me? The most dramatic moment didn't happen during the race. It happened when George Russell finally got his way into the third qualifying session. Do we have Do we have the same one? No, it's oh, not. I thought he did. But, but uh, I'm going to talk about him later. Don't worry. <laughs> but I 
was so impressed. And Nicholas Latifi qualified, I think it was 18th or 17th. Yeah, what's uh, duality of drivers? Just replay yeah, that thing that I shows, said from last week. <laughs> it shows that George Russell is on a level of his own. He puts that car where it does not deserve to be and just shows, A, how much better he is than Latifi, and B, how he can compete with the top 10 when he's not even in supposed to be in the top 10. He out-qualified Lance Stroll. Yeah. Kyle qualified both Aston Martins. Yeah. Well, with the with the with the penalty. Well, yeah, with the penalty. I mean, uh, on pace, Vettel out qualified Russell, but right. But he out qualified Ricardo, who yeah. was uh, the lead driver at Red Bull for a very long time. Who is who? What we said, we said a, a few weeks ago that if McLaren was going to win a race, it was going to be Ricardo that was going to win it at the beginning of the season. Yeah, our predictions don't seem to be going that well. Yeah, we were here for the content is basically what it is. Yes. So, um, yeah, um, that was incredible. <laughs> I was watching qualifying. I was watching qualifying with my dad. And honestly, we didn't care about anything else other than is George Russell actually going to make it into Q3? And then we saw George Russell move up. And then the checkered flags come down and George Russell made it into Q3. And we were like, how? How, how did it happen? <laughs> yeah, and I, I was watching the, rate, the qualifying session live on the French feed because I was out of town this weekend. Uh, we have a French-Canadian uh, feed with RDS uh, in Quebec. And they were not as excited as the people on Sky Sports were because I went yeah. to go watch. I went to go watch the replay on like the the Formula One YouTube channel, and they have the Sky Sports commentators. And David Croft was so excited, and it, I I felt I was more excited than the French than the French uh, than the French commentators when I was watching because <laughs> it was such a great moment. And and you called me after too. <laughs> yeah, because last week, what did I say when he, George Russell was eight? thousands of a second away from q3 i said my bold prediction for the week this week was well that norris would be one or two but that which didn't happen but i was close but my other prediction was that george russell will in fact make it into q3 and he did well just man he needs he 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 should be he should be in a good team seriously yeah i'm like Imagine the, I mean, the, the, the pack of rookies that started in 2019, when you look at it, you have Russell, who's still at Williams. You had Albon, who drove at Red Bull. You have Norris, who is currently driving at McLaren. And who's, no, sorry, it's just them three. Yeah, so it's just them yeah. three. Charles Leclerc raced with them in, in, in F2, but exactly early. And now he's driving at Ferrari and winning races. Like, right. You, you got to feel for George for a bit because he, he's the only guy out of that pack of, I don't know, the Twitch squad or whatever we're going to call it that isn't driving for a competitive team that isn't fighting for wins that isn't fighting yeah, for and, podiums. And and Albon is not in Formula One anymore, but even when he was, he did have two podiums. Yeah. He did score 
points that I'm sure George Russell would have wished that he'd score at, 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 you know, at this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, Russell has, what, three points to his name, right? Yeah, like, well, with nine driving plus a Mercedes the fastest car. lap, driving in a Mercedes car, and whew, that was... That was something, but yeah, I mean, George Russell, A plus qualifying job. Um, for me, though, my most dramatic moment was Lando's claw clawing back to a podium after the five second race penalty, after the pit. Um, and I mean, actually, Lando's entire race for me was, <laughs> was how is Lando holding back? the two Mercedes in when, when McLaren has a Mercedes engine, you would feel that Mercedes, you know, the team that makes the engines and the cars would be able to have a faster car and would be able to pass him with the 3000 DRS attempts that he had. And for Lando to, to end up holding back Hamilton and Vatas for so long for me was impressive. And when we saw that he got a penalty for gingerly shoving Sergio Perez off the track, um, it was, I, I thought there's no way that he could squander starting second on the second in, at the beginning of the race to not even ending up, let it maybe in the points and him going from from the pit all the way into the podium for me was very it, it showed his his race craft in a car that apparently some people don't master because we look at his teammate and Daniel Ricardo is someone's calling you Jordan <laughs> so um just it, it really shows his his race craft um and, and the fact that he managed to pull it out of that car. So for me, seeing Lando move up, seeing Lando hold back Lewis, hold back Valtteri was the most dramatic moment. Yeah, and it was, it was pretty impressive. And, and, and the respect was even shown by Lewis Hamilton when he was on team radio and said, such a great driver, Lando, because he is such a great driver. And, and again, we talk about the du du duality of drivers with Latifi and Russell, but a lot of it can be made with Ricardo and Norris. I get it. There is a learning curve to be done. And I think that has worked to Ricardo's detriment. We've spoken about this on numerous occasions. But Ricardo is still an experienced driver. It's not like it's another rookie coming in. Mm -hmm. He still is an experienced driver and should be placing. I mean, he did place really well this past weekend. But on a consistent basis, should be placing higher. When yeah. Norris is getting his podium in Monaco, Ricardo was lapped by him. So we talk about this duality of driver yeah. and it's showing a lot in McLaren. It, it speaks a lot to Ricardo learning and relearning, but I think that it speaks more to Norris's potential and racecraft, as you said. I can't believe that Lando has three podiums already this season. Yeah. Not, not I one. I think he scored a point in every race this season. He's the only driver to do so. Really? I thought that was someone else. Okay. It was uh, Lando. You know it's Lando. It was Lando. Okay. Very, very, very cool. So here we are. 
yeah with, respect uh, respect where credit like you know credit where credit is due lando drove like a maniac however i'm going to talk about more people driving like maniacs for my most entertaining moment and that was the fight for one point <laughs> yes that's my most entertaining moment great so let's talk about alonzo and russell because <laughs> i remember uh fernando said after the in- after the race if there was one person that I didn't want it to be in 10th place, it was George Russell. And George Russell was like, I gave it everything, you know, it happens. And like, it's an honor to be passed by a two-time world champion. And like, I understand both points, but I feel so bad for George, but that was amazing racing. Yeah, it was. I'm very happy that Sky Sports uh, or no, not even Sky Sports. The the global feed focused on that uh, for a big portion of the of of the race. Yeah, it, it was very impressive too because we did see George fall back. I think the thirteenth or fourteenth at one point. So not only was the fact that he was already in ten impressive, but the fact that he had been there after starting eighth and then dropping back and then making his way back. So that in itself was very impressive. And, you know, Sky or the Globe Production team knows what surrounds this driver. The fact that he has not had a point, but that he is so talented. They're very well aware that we want to see that we want to see him get a point. We Mm -hmm. want to see him succeed. But it just didn't happen. And if the racing was amazing, you want to be all over it. That was amazing racing. Mm. George, unfortunately, could not stand a chance against Alonso. He was so much faster, had much more pace. Um, But had they had a few extra laps, who knows what could have been? Who knows what could have been? I mean, it really showed that that the Williams was really lacking pace near the end. And I mean... That that out that out like the Alpine deserved to be in the points. Let's be real here in a normal circumstance, but for it to be for Alpine to be fighting with Williams for that single point, and for Alonso to be fighting with George Russell was 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 beautiful to see. To, to me, it kind of shows that alone the Williams car does not have true race pace. It is George Russell that has a true race pace, and when you're pushing the car to the limit that like that at you know at the 60th lap of the race you're going to have to rely more on the car than you are on the driver at that point and it really showed that the Williams cannot be consistent that it's really just George Russell working his magic when we see that car in places that it should not be i remember um who's the um Simon Roberts who's the team principal of Williams uh said um, basically, basically said that it, there will be a few races where it will be really good, and the other times it will be okay. And that is exactly what we saw today. It was one of those races where it was really, really good. <laughs> and George Russell making the max out of it was absolutely beautiful. Do you have anything else to add before we uh, wrap it up? Yeah, we'll, we'll be really romantic and I'm getting into next week now. It's silver next week or in two weeks in Silverstone. What will be really romantic is if George Russell got his first points with the pace that he's been showing at his home Grand Prix. Yeah. I think that would be really great to see. 
And I'm not it, predicting is it. Is that your I'm bold prediction? No, okay. I'm not predicting it, but I'm hoping for it. Well, there are a few things that came to my head that we could talk about um, because the race isn't the only news that we've seen in Formula One this week. Um, we could talk about tracks again because Turkey is coming back and Australia is not. Uh, and on top of that, we could then look forward to two weeks from now, the 16th to 18th of July at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix. So, Jordan, let's let's try to jam this all together into, into a segment. We have no more Turkey. What's next? No, sorry. We have yes, Turkey. Turkey's back. No Singapore. Uh, no Singapore because, uh, well, yeah, but we've talked about that before. And now we have no Australia. So with Turkey coming back for the second time and then Australia being canceled, what's, how's this going to be? What's next? What's next? What could possibly happen for Australia? And are we happy to see Turkey back again, I guess? Yeah, well, I'm happy to see Turkey back. It's fantastic race. What's, what's, what do I want to see happen instead of Australia? The Canadian government just announced that double vaccinated do not have to quarantine. Right? <laughs> what are we waiting for? The Canadian Grand Prix could go on. I think, I think the issue, Jordan, is that <laughs> I don't think you're going to like this, but the Australian Grand Prix is supposed to take place between the 19th and the 21st of November. So it's a little cold. If we're going to have racing... I think it's snowing at that point in Montreal. So I was thinking like, had it been any other race, like maybe, I don't know. I think is Singapore later. I think Singapore is later than. than yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, if, if it was like an earlier race that got canceled, I would have said at that point, the Canadian government should definitely move in and the Quebec government and, and, Grand Prix du Canada Limited uh, should definitely find a way to bring the Grand Prix back to Canada um, because we had racing last year at the Nürburgring in like what? Uh, October, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, anything is possible. So realistically, I do think they will end up going back to a country like Germany or maybe to Mugello. Um, that's in a realistic setting. Um, in a fantasy land, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be somewhere in the Middle East, actually, somewhere hot. Really, um, but what what grade uh, AF1 tracks are there in the Middle East that they're not racing at already? You're one of your favorites, the Bahrain Outer. Yes, that is true. Um, we, well, we saw the end of it. I don't even remember. Okay, Secure Grand Prix was in December, right? It was yes, it was. So in December, they were racing in, in Sakir twice in a row. I mean, this year we already had the Bahrain Grand Prix, but I wouldn't, surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if they go back again. But like, if we have like two races at Yas Marina, I'm going to lose my mind. No, that will not um, happen. Even with their change in their corners that are apparently more racing ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, we could even talk about that too. <laughs> we have we have a less sucky Abu Dhabi, <laughs> so. Um, but 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if we go to somewhere in the somewhere in the Middle East, like maybe, or we go back to India. Who knows, man? Like with so realistically, I do think it's going to be in Europe because I don't think that be, I think that because they already went to Bahrain, I don't think they're going to go back to Bahrain. That's why I'm saying Magello, the Nurburgring, or even Hockenheim might is the most is for me the most realistic um the most realistic thing or people don't really consider this but portuguese f1 fans have been on the rise and estoril has not been used in a very long time is estoril still great eh i believe so hmm Okay. And that could be a very interesting if they want something new, completely new. Or for all you know, for all you know, F1 could just milk the Saudi Arabian content and make two races at Jeddah for the first <laughs> for the first weeks. Like one is the Saudi Aramco Grand Prix and one is the Saudi Aramco Grand Prix. <laughs> one, of, one of them is the Jeddah Grand Prix and the other one is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Um, or uh, from what I remember, I think there's a grade one circuit in the UAE somewhere, but like not Yas Marina. Like it might be in Dubai. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up a, a quick circuit, a quick, uh, what's it called right now? So yeah, the Dubai Autodrome is, is a circuit in Dubai that is a grade one circuit. So we could do like. Dubai in one week and then Abu Dhabi the other. They're like an hour and a half drive away from each other, just like Montreal and Tremblant, just saying. But <laughs> look, I would love for that to happen. I'd love for them to come back to Canada, but I do think that it will be in Europe. It just makes most sense and probably easier for F1 to organize as well. I'm probably gonna say Middle East because um I it, it's 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 near the end of the it's near the end of the season. People are just going to want to go to somewhere hot. Um, normally at this point we race in the middle East, like it'll be between, between Brazil and Saudi Arabia. So who knows, maybe we'll be going back to Austin like three weeks apart. <laughs> so anything is possible here. Um, but yeah, let's let's make our bold predictions for two weeks from now um, for the British Grand Prix. So Jordan, let's 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 bring it. We need some. Hot I can't takes. believe this is going to be a bold prediction, but I think that Sir Lewis Hamilton will go down the Lewis Hamilton Strait mm. as the first position. I think he will win the Grand Prix. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won too. Um, I just want. I can't believe that that's my bold prediction right now. I know. Where where have we been? That yeah. where have we been in this season? That Red Bull is so good that a Mercedes win is our bold take. I just want to say I'm gonna give a shout out to my brother here because for the last four races he's been betting on Hamilton. Uh, to win the race and for the last four races he's gone entirely wrong uh so um he started betting at the wrong time exactly he started betting at the wrong time um what do i have i mean for all you know 
we could have, I'm going to say this again, because why not? We could have a McLaren victory for the first time since 2012. And it could possibly happen at their home race in Silverstone. A lot of teams is home race. How many teams? Okay, so... Red Bull? Okay, well, Red Bull has an, an Austrian license, but they're based in Milton... They're based in Milton Keynes, so that counts. Mercedes right. is based in Brackley, but even though they run under a German license. Um, McLaren is based in Woking... Um, Aston Martin is Aston Martin is based in Silverstone. Williams is based in the UK, um, somewhere. I think it might be just Alpha Tari, Alpha Romeo, Ferrari, Alpine. No, Alpine. I think Alpine also has a factory in the UK. I know that they make their engines in France, but they make their they they make the cars in the UK. From what I oh really? What I remember. Yeah. Regardless, for me, it's going to be a Lewis Hamilton victory. It's my prediction. I'm going to say a McLaren victory because I'm feeling it. I also may have spent a lot of time around McLaren fans, but I'm feeling it. <laughs> so, well, we've we've gone through lots of things today. So, yes. Uh, if you want to hear more, don't forget to like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram at the JJF1 podcast, and we will see you for the next episode. See ya.